Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hey gang, I'm Nikki Croce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck. On today's episode, I am sharing the mic with Margaret Agard, and Margaret is a former tech executive turned Christian mystic and Reiki level two healer, as well as author of In His Footsteps, a three-part memoir which details her personal experiences navigating persistent feelings of overwhelm as she sought to uncover her greater purpose. And through this journey, Margaret gained clarity on how to leverage her spirituality to identify the priorities that align most with her desire to connect to a higher power and in doing so help other people. So welcome to the show, Margaret. Hi, I'm happy to be here, Nikki. I'm looking forward to it. Likewise, you know, when you first reached out, you had shared that historically you had been, I'm going to quote this, a compulsive list maker who never came close to accomplishing all I needed to accomplish, often waking in a panic about all that needed to be done and that you weren't doing. I could not relate more. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I was instantly engaged and that sentiment rings true for me for a lot of reasons. And I definitely still have moments when I battle those feelings, including last week. So could you start by sharing a little bit about your journey and how your personal and professional background contributed to those feelings of overwhelm initially? Well, yes, Nikki, at the time, um, that I first started this practice of kind of turning my to-do list over. I was a single mom. I had eight children. I was the sole financial support. I was working in the high-tech industry on an executive level. And I decided to go back to school to finish up my last two semesters. And I just wanted to like plow through that. So I'm taking full full load uh, credit. So, uh, and and you couldn't do it online when I was doing it because that's like 30 years ago. So it was just... uh, yeah, I I was overwhelmed because I was very busy. And I thought, oh my gosh, I I was hardly getting any sleep and I would wake up in a panic about what I wasn't getting done. And uh and and as a Christian, I did feel a connection to God, my higher power. And I felt as if I I still feel that I can um hear the promptings, hear hear the thoughts that I know are not mine, that are coming from uh, a deeper part, either of of the universe universe of God. Yes. I love that, Margaret. And I appreciate you sharing that too, because, you know, I think part of what can be really challenging when we're navigating life experiences that make us feel overwhelmed or just overall stressed out is finding enough time to even just sit in the quiet and be able to observe what it is that we're feeling and what's making us feel that way, because it's not always just the sheer volume of activities, right? Um, Clearly you had eight children is just in and of itself, probably more than enough to keep you busy for a lifetime. But on top of the fact that you were in a, an executive position at a company, especially in the tech industry, and then having gone back to school, you were, really, I imagine kind of that compounded what 
stress you were feeling? And then how did you actually get to the place where you were able to even just realize that you needed something to change, that you needed to find some sort of clarity to help you get through that? I So what actually happened was a couple of times I, well, I know as an executive, you better know how to set priorities. So I knew how to do that. Okay. And, and at, at uh, some point, I think right after I started going back to school, I stepped down from that role and set up a consulting practice and then took it back on once I graduated. But I still had the skill set that went along with, you know, how do you run a business? And what happened is I was setting up times to do things. I was trying to arrange my time. So, and, and again, this is long enough ago that you had to show up at class. You didn't get to do things online. You didn't turn in papers online, like you showed up. And I can remember showing up with a paper completed and on the door was a note that the professor was sick. And so we didn't have to turn it in for till the next class period the next week. And I thought, my gosh, if I'd known that, I could have worked on something else. And the same thing, I went to meet with a client, put a proposal together, took some hours. And I and the client's like, oh, oh, you know, we've completely rethought how we want that done. So if, uh, I was like, oh, gosh, if I if I'd known that, you know, right, I wouldn't have spent all that time. And then I thought, if I just knew the future, then I wouldn't be spending my time doing things I didn't have to do. And I just had too much to do to be, to, you know, waste it like that. And so I thought, well, I know who does know the future. And for me, that's God. And I think some people, you know, that you have, uh, and I, and I actually relate to this being a mathematician, the, um, you know, the quantum consciousness, that whole mm-hmm. idea of being connected. And so I'm like, okay, so I can connect. And I would sit and connect. So I started doing was simply taking this overwhelming to-do list and sitting quietly because it wasn't that I had all this time, but I was more desperate. Like I started doing this out of desperation. And so I would just sit with this big long list that I had and I would look at it and I think, okay, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. And then a couple of things would be added and sometimes big things like change your minor. Like, okay. And then, um, but usually small things, call someone, you know, a name would pop into my mind. I, I ought to give this person a call. And when I did, they they needed a call. You know, they were, I can remember calling a cousin once and she would, and I had a lot of cousins and a lot of friends and siblings. And so just to have her name pop up, she was like in just like crying so hard I could hardly understand her and she talked and talked and, and she said she's was she'd been so upset she was like I was at the point where I was going to breathe into a paper bag you know so that she and and so it, I would have things like that happen where I think I just need to make reach out and um and so I was being guided I think to not only in my own life but in ways I could impact other people and what happened after just a couple of weeks of doing that, of just sitting with my to-do list every day and figuring out what I really had to do versus didn't, I really began to trust that I could I could connect and I could know what it is I should be doing. Now and do you question, feel yeah, I was gonna say the question I was asking at that time was what do I what do I have to do? 
what do I have to do to just get through, you know? And after a couple of weeks, I was like, every night I was done by eight, as long as they didn't add things to the list, because you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I have a whole couple extra hours. I should do something more. And if you're that kind of person. And so it was more learning that I not only was had enough, I was doing enough. But sometimes we think we should be doing more. And then, um, so of course I took it back because I thought, okay, it's all under control now. And why should I keep honoring <laughs> this yeah. higher power? You figured it power? out, right? You you got into the yeah, rhythm. Right. And then... oh, okay. And yep. so of course it <laughs> got back even worse than before. And But this next time I went back, I changed the question and I started saying, well, what do you want me to do? And that's when my life really changed. It, it, uh, it, it, my 20-year plan became somebody else's 20-year plan. <laughs> but I have to say, um, what I like to say is I, as a result of doing this every day, four years, I ended up with a completely different life that I expected and one I love. I never even knew I would love until I had it. You know, there's a lot to unpack there. I I feel like the thing that I want to say right out of the gate, because I am, I was raised Catholic. I don't really identify with any sort of organized religion. So for me, hearing what you're speaking to resonates, as you said um, in our initial conversation, more on just sort of the overall spiritual level, that feeling of connectedness. It doesn't necessarily matter how you define it, right? Uh, yes. I just got off an intro call with somebody who had made, who's a um, an interfaith minister who had made a comment, like, nobody owns God, right? We get to decide right. what that means for us. And I feel like that's very timely considering the nature of our discussion here. And yes. that, you know, I definitely understand those moments where we feel challenged by life and needing to pull back and and sort of think about the bigger picture and start to try to understand you know, how can I create more value, not just for myself, um, but for those around me? And what does that really look like? And so when you speak about having those moments of clarity around not just prioritizing what you need to do in a day, but what what is it that you want to do? What are the things that are going to fulfill you? What are the things that are going to provide fulfillment for other people? You started leaning into, it sounds like, more of that spiritual act aspect of it and asking God, you know, what is it that you want from me? How can I apply that sense of connectivity to your day-to-day life to be able to create this path forward for you? So was there a specific moment that you recall where you really felt driven towards that and that inspired you to shift gears from this position as a tech executive and and go into the direction where you were really more focused on the spiritual aspects of it and the healing side of it? I, I Well, a particular incident. I'm not thinking of any particular incident. I do know the time came when I changed the question. And what I realized was that I was being kind of slowly led away from this um, I don't know. I don't what how culturally a, appropriate life. <laughs> something a little bit different. Yeah, and, kind of the expectation of what you should be doing versus what you felt maybe was right for you. Yeah, yes. And also I think for and what was right for me it was more as if I didn't actually know what was right until I was doing it. 
and it, it, this is kind of off the subject, but similar. I once was having to fill in some credits, so I took a class. Who does this at college? But I took a class on weaving, and I thought, well, I'm going to hate this, just sitting there, you know, like the detail. And I was like, I'm going to hate this, but it's what's available, and it'll fill the credits. And it turned out I loved it. And so that's kind of how I felt that I was saying, you know, it was like a um, John F. Kennedy, you know, ask not what you your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. So what I had done was ask not what God or the divine could do for me, ask what I can do for the divine or God. And that's when I got led in the direction that said, you know, like this is there's this whole force going on where we're building peace and love and you can be a part of that. And here's your part. Yeah, uh, like that's say, really beautiful. I, yeah, it's like if you have a bell choir and you've got like a note or two, it's like, okay, I've got my note. It's like, turn your to-do list to God. Bing! <laughs> like, bing! That's it. That's my note. That's great. Yeah, that's such a good analogy too. And I, I remember when we first spoke that one of the things that you said that really resonated with me was your day is your life. So what are you going to do with it? And I feel like that's just such a powerful thing to think about because we all have mornings where we wake up and we just think, I don't want to, right? I don't want to. And we know that certain things will have to get done. And some days we're just going to ignore them anyway. Some days we will do them begrudgingly. But it also really, it sounds like when you came to that point of, you know, this is my life and, and this is mine to use. What was it that really prompted you to ask the question to the divine instead of asking that question to yourself as you had previously? Because I I feel like if that's such a turning point for you, you know, surely there must have been a, a moment in your mind or your heart that was like, that still doesn't feel like that's maybe, I don't know that I want to say enough, but it doesn't feel like that's the complete version of what you were seeking? I have always, I I have always felt that peace and love that comes when you forget yourself in the service of others. And, but, you know, like how much time can you give to that with kids and laundry and, and, oh, eventually I figured out, hey, guess what? They're others. (laughs) They are the others that I'm in the service of right now. But there is that sense of, of peace and joy that came when I would forget myself, when the few things that got added to my to-do list had to do with helping or reaching out to someone else, like calling my cousin. So that is such an odd thing, but, and it didn't take very long. And yet that was where I would always feel the best. And I think that's what really drove me to say, what do you want me to do today, God? Because then it really opened up so so many experiences where I just happened to be in the right place at the right time to help someone. And, you know, I've never, as I say, I've never gone to India and become Mother Teresa. But for many people, I think I have that impact on people because I'm listening and mm-hmm. and doing what I feel guided to do. And it can be so silly. Like once I was just going to... um I was going to Burger King to get a hamburger because my husband's gone vegan and I was mostly vegan with him, but every once in a while, I just wanted a hamburger. And so I was like, okay, I'm getting a hamburger. And, and while I was there, they had the dollar um, 
ice cream cones. Well, he's also like not doing dairy. So we haven't had ice cream. So I was like, I'm getting an ice cream cone too. And so as I'm going through and they're like, hey, we don't have any cones. We just have the cups. I'm like, put it in the cup. I don't care. I want it. And as I went through, oh, and on the way home, I was going to stop at the guy at the place where the guy was selling watermelons out of his truck, right? And as I finished paying for everything, I could feel that thought, give the ice cream to the watermelon guy. And I thought, you know, if you told me that five minutes ago, I got two ice creams. Now I have to give up my only ice cream. But when I pulled up, you know, he looks so hot and so sweaty. And because this is Florida. And he just looked like he was suffering. And so I hop out of the car. I'm like, I brought you an ice cream. <laughs> That's so sweet. I know. That's the kind of thing that probably is what really drives me to do it because I think, oh, wasn't that great? Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that too, Margaret, because so the other day my wife came home and was saying to me that she had been feeling for the last couple of days just this sense of, I, I don't feel like I'm doing enough to help other people. Am I, is what I'm doing actually making the impact that I want it to have? I, and really having this sense of, I need to help somebody and I need to feel that I'm helping somebody. And she then goes on to tell me that she had stopped at the gas station and a guy had come up to her and my immediate response is, did you make sure that like they weren't going to do anything? Cause you know, you don't want some shady person right. coming up to you at a gas station. As much as I want to believe that there is good in people, I also feel a little hypervigilant. Yeah. <laughs> so after she said, you know, no, he was clearly not a threat, you know, and he said, I feel terrible asking this, but I just, I really need some help with gas right now. And so she said, sure. Yeah, I can help you out and walked over and saw, you know, the van that he was in looked like it had been a little beat up and there was an older woman in the front seat and looking like maybe they had to be going somewhere. And so whether he didn't have his wallet or didn't have the money or whatever it was. And she said, I just saw this moment where I was like, I put out into the universe that I was feeling this way. And then it was like, I was handed this opportunity to help somebody who in that moment was like, I really need help. And I'm super uncomfortable asking for it. And honestly, how many people are willing to yes. do that for somebody? And it, I said to her, you know, you really are a master manifester because she has a habit of being able to really cultivate this beautiful life and and these circumstances around her. And in that moment to hear such vulnerability about the pain of feeling helpless to then be immediately gifted with this opportunity to provide somebody something that they really needed in that moment was just quite incredible to me. And so when you describe that experience with getting the ice cream, it's like they didn't have cones for a reason, right? Because if you had had a cone, you wouldn't have been able to give it to him. Yeah, it would have melted yeah, you guys. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> and you're like, here's a half-licked yeah. ice cream cone. This is what is yeah. remaining, right? Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of funny how those things happen. And she even said, you know, there were multiple people that he had to pass to ask me for help. So it really made her wonder, what was it about me that made him think this person's probably my best shot? And now yeah. she has a very nice, kind smile. And I imagine that could possibly be it. But I, you know, I think that part of it is really that sense of universally, we can sense, you know, when people need things. And we can also sense when we feel like somebody might be able to offer that support. And so being able to use that gift and apply it in a way that really proliferates as you continue to strengthen that connection is is quite amazing to me. So, you know, 
obviously you can spark change through these small acts. But to your point, there's also this part of intentionality behind it as well. So how do you kind of show up every day or on the days where you're feeling particularly connected and really make sure that you're being intentional about your practice and and connecting to that um, divine to be able to harness that gift that you have? I think it really is a habit that I have of in the evening, just kind of looking at my next day and saying, you know, what do you want me to do? And it's been interesting. The last, I was finishing the third book and it was just keep working on that book, keep working on that book. Okay. And then as I finally finished it and then my husband had surgery, it was, um, I want you to relax and just enjoy your life. Like just enjoy what's here. And that I still help people. I'm still directed to call people. But it's interesting that I feel as if sometimes the divine wants to give us a break too. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, I believe that. Honestly, I, I feel like firsthand I learned that after really probably the hardest two years of my life. I met my wife. And we had met as friends and I just kept being like, the timing doesn't make sense. Like it's nothing. We're friends. Why would this would be the worst timing ever? And it was like, in retrospect, I just see how healing that was for me. And I can recognize that the universe was like, we're going to do you a solid, you know, we, we realize you've been through some shit and you're going to need to clear the path. Right. And so it gave me the emotional safety to be able to reset and give myself space and energy back to myself. Because as the saying goes, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? And so we need to be able to rejuvenate ourselves to be able to provide that support to others as well. Right. And so, yes, I, so my, my intention is every day to say, what, what do you want me to do? And often I'm giving very large product projects like the book or like I had a friend whose house burned down with, and it was in West Virginia and you know, no fire insurance because on those old houses, guess what? You can't get them. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get fire insurance. So, and, and, she, you know, she's living on disability and one day it was like, Oh, you need to build her a house. And I said, uh, well, okay. But you know, I don't know how to do that. Right. But yes. And so, and so I get sometimes big projects like that. But even in the middle of doing the big projects where I'm step by step saying, well, now what do I do? And we did get our house built, by the way. It was um, also little things. So that's what I want to say. I have the big things and the little things. And the little things often just happen when I'm out, like with your wife, where she's at the gas station and there it is. And or it's just make this call. Yeah. And I have no idea what the question was that I'm answering. I've oh, I was just, kind of, no, no, you're totally fine. I think <laughs> I I derailed with a little bit of my own tangent. So it was really just around, you know, what is it? Um, I think you answered the question in terms of, you know, just being <laughs> consistent with your practice and, and yes. really having that desire to keep yourself present in those moments to be able to draw from that. I I have to ask though, you said you did get her a house built. Um, I I don't know if that will be veering very far off the topic, but um, could you explain that a little bit just so my my curiosity (laughs) can can be cured? 
Well, I mean, she was she was older. She was disabled, or she was on disability anyway. And um, you know, she would she struggled. She was a binge drinker, and you know, we we went up once, and she had just was like sitting there with a shovel trying to because our neighbor was like, "You've got to get this mess out of here." But finally, uh, we did get her a camper. It was a decent size, you know, RV type camper. Mm-hmm that she could live in with her dogs but i could she was just going downhill and one day god's like you need to build her a house and and i had worked with habitat for humanity so my first thought was maybe we start a habitat for humanity but you know how many years that would have taken to start that and would she be the one who got the house but it turned out our county wasn't big enough you have to have a population of at least fifteen thousand, and we didn't and so I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to do it. And it really was a step-by-step thing. Like, okay, what's it going to take? We've got to get some cement, you know, like for the foundation, like that, right? Yeah. And it took about a year and a half to finish it up. And at one point, I was like, how come I'm always getting stuff at the last minute? And this is West Virginia in the hills, right? And I thought, why? Like, would it be nice if the supplies were coming in not two days before we need them? You know what? I'm tired of worrying about it. And okay, so I, I'm, a, I'm a, like a gripey complainer christian okay so (laughs) (laughs) um and so god was like what do you think would happen to those supplies if they were there two weeks in advance and i thought well no one some of the people here in west virginia they'd have been scooped up and sold for drugs so no probably this is better to have them show up the night before and yeah and then at the very end, I thought, okay, we're here. It's almost done. I just need a little bit more to finish. I don't like we've stained everything. We've put up the walls. We've insulated. She's got a heating system. And, you know, she had some, there were just some things that needed to be done. Wow. And God's like, put one of those videos up, you know, and share it with your friends and family. And the money just poured in and we were able to finish it up. Good for you. That's it really. Yeah, it was only yeah. like 600 square feet. It was not a big house, but it was but, just her. But you also, <laughs> but you also did it, you know? And I think that just in and of itself, taking that, that calling, that feeling that you needed to do this and helping somebody so genuinely without, like, yes, that serves you in the sense that it fulfills your soul, but you also didn't have to do that. And I feel like part of what is really, important when we think about prioritizing things in our lives. And you even said this, right? You're like, what is it that I have to do today versus what do you want me to do today? And that's exactly the perfect example of it, right? You didn't have to do it, but you felt called to do it. And you felt like this was the right thing to do in those moments. So how beautiful is that for this person in your life to have that connection with you and to really benefit from the work that you've done for yourself um, to be able to cultivate this and then have that just really spread more widely. And I keep coming back to the fact that you used the phrase peace and joy several times because one of the things that I repeat to myself constantly is um, gratitude, love, and joy. But I also do that because it gives me a sense of inner peace. And when I was at the most turbulent points in my life, the thing that I struggled to find the most amidst the overwhelm was that sense of peace. And it isn't just because there's so much to do, but it's because 
if we don't understand what we're experiencing, that it's very hard to untangle the mess that has contributed to that overwhelm and being able to speak to a higher power, um, read content that helps us understand, you know, mental health, uh, spirituality, those things all really contribute to that ability to find that peace. And when you find that peace, I find that not only do you experience the joy more yourself, but you're able to share that joy more as well. Do you feel the same way? Yes. And I think for for the healing for me, Nikki, was that as, as I was doing this for people and feeling how much love God feels for them. I mean, this is a binge drinking, like little crazy lady. And he's like, build her a house because she needs it. Right. And I thought, well, my gosh, you know, if he loves all these other people this much, this is, I, I was finally able to let that love in and to really feel the love that um, God universe has for me. And I felt that love. Well, once you feel that love, I stopped trying to, um, become acceptable okay and i stopped worrying about was i loved because i knew i was right and and i didn't have to worry about did that person love me or that person love me i could just let the love for them come out if that makes sense it was very healing to do this and not only feel the love i mean i would feel the love because i'd done good things right and you feel that love and peace and but i also could feel how much love god felt for these people I mean, I once picked up a guy who was hitchhiking. I mean, the whole story is a little too long, but but I I was like, I was canning tomatoes, like you have to go to town. I was like, no, I don't have to go to town, you know, but I had some cash and he was like, no, you should go to town, put it in the bank. And that's how the thoughts go. I don't know. No, I'm not going to go to town because I don't need to. And the thought comes again, I'm going to town, put it in the bank. I thought, oh, wait, I think this is God. So I head out and here's this hitchhiking guy who I thought was a woman. And I thought, even with long hair, I can usually tell the difference, but he hops in. And he's probably in his 20s and he'd been to some, I forget that rainbow something in the woods. I forget what it's called. And and he had stolen some energy drinks and ended up in a southern jail and his friends all laughed. And so now he's hitchhiking home and he'd been walking like 20 miles that day in this heat. And and so I was like, OK, I know where a truck stop is. I'll take you there. Right. And it was near the bank. And we. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of giving him my mother looks like, really, really an energy drink. Okay. So that was probably not your smartest move. Right. And then as we, uh, as I'm leaving him, letting him out, I can feel God saying to me, give him, give him 20. And I I don't usually give people cash. I I put gas in her car with my card. Yeah. Actually give him cash. Well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I hand him the 20 and as I'm driving away, I can feel God say to me, see how much I love that young man, you know? And I thought, yeah, that's how much he loves us. That's That's, how much. You don't have to be perfect. I really like the way that you share uh, how you feel communicated with through God, because it helps me feel closer to my own spirituality in that regard. Again, I appreciate that you're open-minded and and the way that you approach it is more from the spiritual uh, angle, even though it has a religious aspect for you. And it's important to me as somebody who doesn't practice religion, that somebody such as yourself feels welcome on this show and that that isn't a barrier to us having a conversation because you are exemplifying what 
I feel a lot of people seek from religion and spirituality. And it's that connectedness. It's that sense of love. It's that sense of understanding and compassion. And I feel like it can be challenging in the world that we live in today when you have a lot of people leveraging spirituality and religion to bring the opposite into the world and yeah. start to try right. to promote things that aren't helping other people. So I really admire your perspective and also the approach that you take because the way that you speak about it feels relatable to anyone because it is really like, what is that inner voice? What is your intuition? What is your heart telling you? Um, yes. And if you can follow that and trust that, then you can really make an impact in the world. Um, you know, when you were speaking about your book and and kind of being told to write the, I think you had said the third book, but did you feel like, was that really what led you down the path of writing the first book also was really just listening to that and and thinking, okay, if I write this book, I can help people. Yeah. And, and, you know, I tried to like market it as self-help, but it's not, it really is a memoir, but it was this, like the first thought, and this is back in 99, 2000 is write your life on the internet. And and this was during the time when I'm saying, what do you want me to do today, God? So a lot of what I was writing was, oh, guess what? It was like, go see this lady in the hospital. And, you know, I brought her some flowers and she's like, well, I hope you don't want another vase back. And I was like, don't you worry about it, honey. But <laughs> And um, so I'm writing about these stories, you know, about my 15-year-old obnoxious son or this manure story and uh, all these stories of what was happening. And it, I was doing it all in, in a place called Open Diary, which still exists. Yeah, I remember and it. Because of that, yeah. And so at that point, you know, WordPress wasn't around. It wasn't like you could blog it. And oh my, and I was trying to figure out how to do it. And I came across Open Diary. And then after I had been writing for about two years, it was now when you go through and make a book out of this, just pull the things out, you know, that aren't about picking corn in the garden, but, you know, <laughs> I have to do with this relationship with God. And so that's where the first book came from. It, and it really was directed by, by the spirit, by God, like yeah. write this. And when I share it, when people read the book, this is what they say. I feel so good when I read that book. I want that kind of relationship with God. And people will say, I don't usually read books more than once, but every time I read yours, I feel good inside. And so I'm happy about that book because I know what they're responding to is that um, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And it really sounds like it's been able to help create a sense of community for people uh, who have all decided to read your book and have benefit from that experience. And I feel like it's super important to acknowledge how people can take those learnings that you experienced and find ways to apply them to their own lives, even though the circumstances might be different. It can really just open your mind a little bit more to what the possibilities are and help provide a sense of innate guidance a bit. It sounds like, you know, through your relationship to God, being able to kind of transcend that experience and apply it to their own lives in a way that adds value, whether that is immediate or longer term or ongoing, you know, it's important for people to be able to have a place to go where they feel like somebody 
sees them and can relate. So have you had an opportunity? I'm oh, go ahead, sorry. This one thing no, go um, for it. is, is, uh, I can remember going to writer's group once with one of my stories and, and, uh, one of the critiquers wasn't aware it was a memoir story. Like, and she says, you know, I'm really having a hard time with your main character. Cause she's kind of a whiny complainer. And I thought, yeah, I am. But <laughs> it's like, wait, do you find out that there's a memoir, but it was so that's what I want to say. The the thing about the book is I really do tell the truth. Like I, you know, was praying to help some woman. I forget why. Well, I know why I was trying to pray to help her. And one night, and it didn't happen very often, I had a chance to actually watch TV. And I was gonna watch it. And and I like Star Trek. And oh my gosh, it was one I hadn't seen, an episode I hadn't seen. So I'm like all kicked back, yay. And all of a sudden that lady called and needed a ride somewhere. And I I have to tell you, I wasn't happy about it. I did it, but I wasn't happy about it. And and as I was doing it, um, I can remember saying to God, like, well, and the gas, imagine how much it's gonna cost me for the gas, right? Like that. I mean, I was just, I don't know. I like to write that stuff because people get guess what? She's not this little angel. <laughs> well, you know what I think is really helpful too to hear you being so honest about who you are and the fact that you to be spiritual or have a connection to God does not mean that we are infallible. There is it just makes me think of the phrase, you know, certain people think they're holier than thou and it's like but nobody is. And right. and we are all human beings and we are all fallible. So I I feel like the best that we can do is acknowledge those things because that's personal accountability. And I appreciate your sense of humor and being able to make light of it also because, you know, my mom taught me my entire life, like if you can't laugh at yourself, it's just, it, you're going to have a miserable life. We need to be yeah. able to, we need to be able to have some self-deprecating humor to be able to get through life's challenging moments and also life's annoying moments, just like the little ones that poke at you to be able to turn around and be like, oh gosh, you know, I, I handled it this way. And I guess that's just the way that it went down, you know, and, and what are you going to do about it? And I really respect that, Margaret. I feel like that's a, a really great quality to have because it does make it a lot more relatable to hear that when you know that somebody is aware of those character traits that we all we all carry and to have somebody kind of call you out on it is one thing but to be able to call yourself on it is I, I think a very unique thing and it's yeah. important for us to remember that yeah and gotta work with you whoever you are the divine whoever you know you you definitely don't have to be this already loving spiritual you can be a little gripey complainer <laughs> hey i and have my so moments <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's part of the human experience, right? Like we're not always happy. We're not always pleased with the circumstances. Even if you feel guided by a higher power, it doesn't mean that, you know, you want to wake up every day and feel like, okay, now I have to go do this thing. Maybe some days you're like, I don't really want to, or this doesn't, right. this wouldn't be what I would have chosen. And I guess I'm going to do that anyway. You know, right. we are being given the opportunity to show up anyway. And when we do that, it's just, I I feel living as authentically as we can. Nobody expects us to be perfect, um, or at least we shouldn't. Right, right. So I'm curious when you, because I was looking at your website earlier and you also uh, contribute to some charities. 
So do you feel like the work that you've done since you've written these books has helped open up opportunities for you to create more awareness around charitable causes that you support or just in general, learn more about the types of things that people are doing within your community to elevate their sense of peace and joy through acts of service? I, you know, it's on there because I do that, but we don't really make a big deal of that because here's how I feel. I was with a woman at, um, oh, I think it was a Christian broadcasting thing. And, and everybody's there with their thing they're doing, right? Like, and we're over in Africa doing this and we're here doing that. And you could see her face. And I said, you know, have you ever gone to a church dinner? And Afterwards, everybody's going to help clean up, right? And it, it looks overwhelming. All the tables and the dishes and someone has to vacuum and get the trash out. All this stuff is going on. You you pick something to do, whatever it is. Usually pick, you should pick dishes because nobody wants that. And so that I get to extra points in heaven. Okay, so then you're in doing the dishes and, and they're done and you turn around like what else needs to be done? And nothing else needs to be done because other people did it. And I'm going somewhere with this and I forget where I was going. But the thing is, you get to do your thing and it will be enough. Okay. And so whatever you're called to. And so that's why I don't really try to point people in specific directions for specific charities. I appreciate what you're saying too about, you know, yes, there's value in doing the charitable work, but it's also important to allow people to kind of find their own footing and and what feels right to them and where they want to put that time and energy. So what do you feel for listeners would be, what advice would you give to listeners who might be feeling, you know, the way that you were when you first kind of came to the realization that you didn't want to keep going through life the same way that you were with that, that stress, that overwhelm, that anxiety of like, well, what now there's too much. So how do you feel other than maybe what we've discussed in terms of finding that connectivity, but do you have any advice around like, what somebody might want to use as a starting point for even getting to that place of clarity? Well, if they, if people already understand how to connect, then I would just move right to, let me, let me give you my plans and start asking that question. What do you want me to do? If they don't feel like they know how to connect, then make that, the intention, as you would have said, for your wife, right? Like she just can set an intention. And what I did was just say, I don't know how to hear your voice. Help me to hear it. And and that voice is actually a thought in my head. And like I told the story about stopping keeping my tomatoes to go to town, the thought will come and I'll blow it off and it'll come and I'll blow it off. And then it'll come and I think, oh, wait, wait, this is God. And then I do it. And that's when I see the result. But everybody has their own access to that. And if a person doesn't yet have that access, that's that's where I would start with that. They Train that muscle. Access, yeah. And if they do have the access, then I would just immediately start with that question and look at each day because, you know, like I said, your day is your life and your to-do list is your day. So, yeah, even if you don't write it down, right? Even if you're one of those people just in your head, you can still do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Although I do encourage people to write it down because as somebody who does deal with overwhelm, even though the list can be overwhelming, I feel like trying to remember everything spinning around in your brain is probably more stressful than seeing a list of it because you can always put the yeah. list in a drawer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Gus still does that. I'll, I'll have like, I think I need to get these six things done today because we have company coming. My husband just had surgery and, you know, I've got to get food and and it's like, yeah, no, you just have to do these two things today. That's yep. So start small and be consistent. Yeah. I really love that. Margaret, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we head off here? Oh, Nikki, this is my selfish. It's like, please do it. Please do it. Because the more people who do it, the better our world is going to be. <laughs> so. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. And gang, thanks for joining us for this episode of Who the Fuck, Margaret. The conversation's been great. So if it resonated with any of you listeners and you want to learn more about Margaret and her memoirs, you can visit InHisFootsteps.com. And you can also purchase Margaret's books on Amazon. And I'll leave a link for those in the show notes. And if you want to hear Margaret read some excerpts from her books, you can visit her YouTube channel in his footsteps today, where she reads those for your listening pleasure. Margaret, thanks so much for taking the time to chat and for sharing your story. I really appreciate the goodness that you are bringing to this world and that you're hoping to share with other people. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives' activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast.